The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Ladies and gentlemen, your Kansas City Royals are now a season high. Eight games over 500, eight and two in their last 10, and 13 and three in their last 16. As KC defeats San Francisco in a highly impressive victory, four to two. Welcome in. It's Davo on your dish here on Clubhouse Conversation, and I am extremely excited about this baseball team right now. As tonight seemed like another playoff type of baseball game, again, we joke because we don't really know what that feels like necessarily. I mean, if you're my age in your early 30s, you've never seen the Royals in the playoffs, unless you count when you were about five years old. I mean, it just feels like playoff baseball, and it feels real. And tonight felt like a corner was turned to me. I mean, the Royals come home off of a highly impressive road trip, 5-1 and one on that road trip. There's seven games over 500 as they were earlier this year. And they come home in front of a big crowd, although not quite as big as I was hoping. I, I thought there'd be 34 to 36. But, you know, pushing 30 was still was still good enough. And a good portion of Casey's fan base was expecting a flop. The casual fans, the average person who lives here, just said, oh, well, it's the Royals. They'll lose. They always do. They always let you down. And we did see it earlier this year after that 10-game winning streak once Casey came home against good competition. And, of course, tonight does not mean, does not guarantee the same thing won't happen again. It could still happen. The homestand still has six more games on it, obviously. But the Royals can go three and three the next six, which seems pretty attainable, especially after tonight. And three and three the next six puts you at four and three on this homestand. You probably lose a game on Detroit. You probably lose one game in the wild card. But if you come out of this within a game of the wild card and within three games or so of Detroit, four games max, I mean, you're still in fantastic shape heading down the stretch. And the Royals beat Madison Bumgarner tonight. I mean, I said coming in, I thought the Royals had about a 20% chance tonight. And I know technically my buddy Jared, who was in town, by the way, came down from Indianapolis. Good to see Jared tonight. Was at the game with him tonight. And he kind of mocked me about it and said, I heard you on the dish last night saying that we had a 20% chance at winning. And I gave you my reasoning on it. I just, the fact that Bumgarner was such a big strikeout pitcher, I thought the, the Royals would psych themselves out as they have so many times this year. I mean, we've seen it so many times this year. The Royals go in against a strikeout pitcher, and you hear about that, and they talk about that, and their approach is get him early. Get him in the count while he's throwing fastballs before he gets you down and buries you with off-speed or breaking stuff. And it kills them because if they're not getting big hits, which they usually don't when they have that kind of philosophy, because, of course, the pitcher's going to understand that and not give them much to hit. Plus, the Royals aren't the most gifted offensive team, obviously. So when you had that philosophy in the past, we've seen the Royals come out there and just hack, hack, hack. Before you know it, the guy's going a complete game or eight innings and is allowed like one run. So I thought there was a recipe for that possibly happening. Yeah, the Giants were in town last night at 6 p.m. while the Royals didn't get home till 3 in the morning. The Giants are a great baseball team as well. And yeah, let's face it, I mean, at this point, Bumgarner is better than Vargas. No doubt about that. So I thought the Royals had about a 20% chance tonight with all those factors put together. But they came out and won the damn game impressively, too. There was nothing cheap about that game. Now, the Giants can say we had three errors, but only one error led to a run, and we'll talk more about it later, but the Royals had an error that cost themselves two runs on the bases. We'll break that down in depth here in a few minutes and explain that to you, but I mean, Bumgarner to me is one of the top five lefties in the game, or at least right there. I mean, you can at least argue he's top five. Obviously, the Kershaws and the Sales are a tick above him, but that next level of guys. It's kind of like quarterbacks in the NFL. You've got the, the you know the three or four big ones, and then there's about five or six guys that are kind of equal. Bumgarner's in that next bunch. Certainly in the top seven or eight lefties in the game. 
And the Royals came out and beat him. And they did it with the extra base hit because he did go eight innings, although the Royals did work him okay, well over 100 pitches. I mean, they weren't bad. They had a good approach tonight. I mean, they had a great approach tonight, actually. I'm going to give the Royals big credit tonight for their approach. They didn't come up there doing what I thought they would and what they have in the past. They didn't go up there hacking and hacking. They had good at-bats. They got the job done. Give the Royals offense big credit tonight, honestly. Not just because of the results, either. The approach, first of all. But approach, of course, leads to results when you have a solid approach. And some guys with skill, like the Royals do have. They aren't the most skilled team offensively, but they do just enough to win the game when they do their jobs. And they did tonight. And the reason they did it was the extra base hit. And that was exciting to see. Lights out from the bullpen and great defense help. We'll talk about the great defense and one particular guy here to bet, the bullpen. But, I mean, the Royals only finished with two official extra base hits if you look at the box score. There was obviously three. But the first one, how big was Billy Butler right off the bat? Mashing that home run. Two-run shot. Royals go up right away. Two-nothing. How big was that? Billy Butler just doing the job right now, and no doubt home run. So two of the runs directly right there off the extra base head. They gave him two official ones. That's the first one. The second one came in the sixth inning when Omar Infante doubled, got to second base, and scored on a, on a single from Billy Butler. Well, a play that probably could have been made over there on the right side of the infield, but it got through. And scored Infante. So right there, an extra base hit directly led to your third run because he wouldn't have scored from first base, obviously. So there's the third run. And the fourth run came in, of course, when Alex Gordon doubled. Now, the official score gives him a single. I understand the technicalities, but good grief. That's a triple for Alex Gordon, most likely, if Billy Butler doesn't commit perhaps the worst base running I've seen all year. Now, let's get this clear. I'm not trying to bash Billy Butler. Billy Butler, Noria Oki in the bullpen really won the game tonight for the Royals. Billy Butler drove in three of the four and had the biggest hit of the night, without a doubt, that two-run home run. Without a doubt, the biggest hit of the night. But Billy Butler committed a complete debacle on the base pass tonight, and it's not the first time we've seen this from him. So I'm giving him big credit, and he ultimately, the positives outweigh the negatives. But this is just something that's inexcusable because it's not physical. I mean, sometimes you're going to miss a pitch, you're going to hit a ground ball, you're not always going to swing the bat. But on the bases, you should be near perfect. This stuff shouldn't be happening, especially not tonight. So, of course, Butler's at first in that inning with one out, and Alex Gordon all of a sudden hits an obvious double to left field. It slices in left center field, and the play can't be made by Juan Perez out there. So Salvador Perez scores on that for the Royals' fourth run. Billy Butler, meanwhile, I cannot find an exact angle on the replay. I was at the game sitting in section 132 there. And at the corner of my eye, I saw it. Billy Butler appeared to be, I don't think he was tagging on. I don't know what he was doing. He was way close to first base, within 10 feet of first base. I mean, Alex Gordon was trailing him by like six feet the whole play. So the ball hits. And I have no idea what the hell Billy Butler was doing. I don't know if maybe he was – I didn't see it directly, so I'll admit that. But I don't know if maybe his back was turned to the play. He was running back trying to tag and just missed it. Any way you look at it, he wasn't going to tag and go to second there. It's a dumb play for Billy Butler. If that catch is made and he tries to tag and go to second, he's probably out three out of four times on a good throw. So in that situation, you're playing three-fourths of the way to, to second base. You'd say halfway normally, but that ball was so deep in the left field corner. If Perez catches that – you can almost walk back to first base. I mean, you can jog back to first base and get back safely. Plus, they ain't thrown to first base anyways, obviously. You can't make that throw anyways. So Billy Butler needs to be standing basically at second base. So when that ball hits the ground, he's scoring easily. And then they're going to throw to third trying to get Alex Gordon anyway. So that gets you to that, that run no matter what. So there's one run. Billy Butler should have scored in that play easily. But he gets thrown out at third base, doesn't slide. What the hell was that? How do you not get to third base on a double from first base? 
when the ball is so far away from you, I, I can kind of understand it if it's like a looper to right field or something and the, and the outfielder is coming in. You know, obviously you could get thrown out at first base on a fly ball to right field. You ain't getting thrown out at first base on a slicer to the left field corner. Bo Jackson couldn't throw you out. Even if you were two-thirds of the way to second, Bo Jackson caught it and you ran back, you're still going to make it back with a slide. So I don't know what he was doing. He should have scored there. That's one run they got cost. Gordon most likely is at third base because I did see the play from then on. When Billy Butler hit second, Alex Gordon was more than halfway to second base. Alex Gordon's going to third in that play, especially because it guarantees the run coming home. They're throwing to third then. He's a great base runner. So Alex Gordon's going to third, most likely makes it. One run for sure that costs you, probably a second, because then Lorenzo Cain, I believe it was first pitch hacking, hits the ball to center field to Angel Pagan, which easily scores Alex Gordon. It was medium depth. That's two runs. So then the bases are empty with two outs. So Billy Butler's base running cost the Royals two runs out there. So I don't want to hear the Giants saying, the point of me telling you this is to give Butler big credit for his offense, just point out it was bad base running. You got you to call it how it is. I'm analyzing the game. That was a big play, and it could have been a huge play. Had Wade Davis... Had a bad night. He almost did. You know, almost throwing as many balls as he was strikes. I mean, that play could have cost the Royals a game. So as good as Billy Butler did, the reason I, I, I find that unacceptable is it's, it's an obvious mental mistake. It's not physical. Physical mistakes you can live with. I mean, my, my high school baseball coach used to say that. We can live with the physical mistakes. We can't live with the mental mistakes. And that was as big of a mental mistake as you'll see. And we've seen plenty of them from Billy this year in the base pass. It's got to stop. So I, I don't want to hear the Giants either saying, oh, you know, we give up an unearned run, one of those runs, and we really gave them a lot of extra chances. Not true. The Royals gave you two runs back by not running the bases. Let me take a drink of water here. There we go. Much better. <laughs> anyway, let's move on then. So the extra base hit got the job done tonight. Basically, in my mind, all four runs came off the extra base hit. The Royals took advantage of the little situations a top-notch pitcher gave them. They had a, a good approach. Against Madison Bumgarner, they got the job done. They took the made the most of the, of the of the least. I mean, that's what you do against really good pitchers. You you ain't gonna string together three, four, five hits in an inning. You ain't gonna hit three home runs. You ain't gonna walk a lot. You just go out there. You battle the guy. You have good at bats. You have a solid approach. Hit the ball the other way, which the Royals did tonight. Get some extra base hits. That big home run, the big doubles from Gordon and Infante. Gordon should have had a triple. They did the job. That's that's what a playoff team does. That's how you beat playoff pitching. And Madison Bumgarner is definitely a playoff starting pitcher. That's how you beat them. That's how you win these games. And the Royals have won, what, three of them against playoff teams recently? In the last, what, how many days is this? Well, not counting the Diamondbacks. Three of them in the last week, essentially. You've got, well, yeah, exactly the last week. You had the Friday game with Sonny Gray against Jeremy Guthrie. Sonny Gray's a playoff pitcher. Scott Casimir on Sunday, playoff pitcher. You beat him. Tonight, certainly a playoff pitcher. I mean, playoff-type games. And that's great to see. That's why I feel like this is real, and that's why I'm so excited right now. Now let's talk about the pitching and the defense because the offense didn't win it on its own. Jason Vargas, sluggish tonight. Looked okay. Looked good. Looked okay. All those right-handed slap hitters probably weren't the best matchup for him. The Giants tried it out there. But thanks to Jeremy Guthrie last night throwing a complete game, Vargas, by going five innings, did enough. Five innings, two runs was enough to get the job done because you had a completely fresh Jason Frazier, Kelvin Herrera, Wade Davis, and Greg Holland who got the job done. If Guthrie doesn't go as, as deep last night, maybe the Royals don't win this game tonight. We don't know. But Vargas pitched good enough. Five innings, two runs on nine hits, five Ks, and no walks. He was thankfully bailed out by Nori Aoki. Oh, my goodness. Two right field assists tonight by Nori Aoki. Saved the Royals two runs easily. Throwing out Hunter Pence at third base and give Ned Yost and, and company big credit for that. 
By the way, I wanted to mention last night, I meant to mention, you know, people criticize Nedios all the time, and we do sometimes here when it, when it needs to be done. But the last two games, Ned's done a lot of good things. That challenge tonight was awesome. Of course, you obviously give Bill DePlissio a lot of credit on that, too. But last night, we forgot to talk about that double steal that led to an extra run or two last night in, in, in the game in Arizona that was big in that game. I think it led to two runs, didn't it? Don't have the, anyway, my point is I wanted to mention that last night, and I forgot to. So give Ned some credit for that last night, too. There's all these things that people don't notice that lead to extra runs and, and good things that Ned does. Puts the right start bullpen pitchers in, you know, stays at the same lineup, you know, makes adjustments. I mean, you, you just hear him getting no credit. But when they lose, it's, oh, boom, Yosted. I mean, some of the time that's legitimate, some of the time. 80% of the time it's not. So I just want to give Ned some credit for that. I mean, he gets no credit when things are going good. People seem to somehow think he's losing all these games. But if he's losing games, he sure as hell is winning games too. So I'm, I, And again, I'm not a huge Ned Yost fan. I like him. I don't think he's the best manager in baseball, but he's nowhere near the worst. I mean, he's probably in that 15 to 20 range out of the 30 managers, if you ask me. But good job tonight from him. Jason Frazier comes in, one, two, three. How good has he been? Two Ks in the sixth, giving up, what, one hit since he came over? One, two, three with two Ks for Jason Frazier. I'd like to see him continue to maybe even get a bigger role, but I guess they don't need him right now to be bigger. Calvin Herrera, awesome again. The unsung hero of this team. Not the biggest hero, but the most unsung hero. No one talks about him. Scoreless seventh, one hit allowed, and a K. Wade Davis struggled in the eighth. And for, for his standards, he struggled. And he's been struggling for a while now. He might be blowing a game here pretty soon. He might be in a little slump right now. Let me get some more water. My throat is killing me from all the yelling tonight. Long week of radio, too. But Wade Davis coaxes that double play. He's done that a couple of times this year. Whenever he struggled, he seems to always have a double play ball in him. The ball was hit hard, but right at Infante. Rails got out of it. Greg Holland, one, two, three in the ninth with two Ks. Awesome game. Noria Oki, the great defense, saving the Rails two runs. So Butler gets the glory, but Oki gets some big credit from me as well. He had one error by Omar Infante, but ultimately didn't matter for the Royals. So we go into the rest of this homestand now. We came in saying four and three is where the Royals needed to be. Three and four, worst case. Well, three and four should be, it's not a lock, but three and four should be pretty attainable by now. Obviously, the Royals go two and four from here on out. They finish three and four, but four and three is where they need to be. Anything else is completely gravy. You need to win one of the next two, though, for sure, to get to that to get to that four and three. I said coming in that Saturday was the key game in this homestand, and I'll stick by it. Although the Royals won tonight, if they win tomorrow, you can almost say five and two is looking decently likely at that point, because the Royals have a big pitching edge on Sunday. I believe Danny Duffy against Tim Lincecum. I love our chances on Sunday because Danny Duffy, for his standards, has had two, I don't want to say shaky, but he didn't go deep in the games. He's thrown a lot of pitches. Two starts to go walk six. Didn't walk anybody last start. But Danny Duffy hasn't exactly been the Danny Duffy we've seen as much. I mean, he's pitching great. I'm not saying he's not pitching great. But he's not going quite as deep, and he's having more foul balls. He's walking some guys. I mean, it looks like more like the Danny Duffy that we saw a couple years ago. So I think the real Danny Duffy, the one we've seen the majority of this year, is going to come out on Sunday. I really do. And I think the Rails will be able to hit Tim Lincecum. So I love their chances on Sunday. Love them. Tomorrow, I think, is a coin flip. You got James Shields going against Tim Hudson. I understand Tim Hudson statistically is better than Madison Bumgarner. I get that. But... I just I feel like Madison Bumgarner was a much bigger challenge for the Royals just just because of their hitting philosophy and how they typically approach pitchers like that, like I mentioned earlier. Just approach-wise is why I say that. I understand the Hudson's got better stats this year. I think James Shields is obviously better right now than Jason Vargas. I think the Royals have the pitching edge for sure on Sunday, and it's a coin flip tomorrow. 
So you split these next two. But, I mean, if you win tomorrow, all bets are off. If you win tomorrow, 4-3 and three needs to happen for sure. You start off 2-0 and on this homestand. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep taking it game by game. Just enjoy this, Royals fans. That's the thing I want to talk about. But let's not predict too many more games. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just enjoy this right now because we've seen already this year and in the past how quickly the tide can change. We've seen it what, three, four times this year how streaky this team is, how bipolar this team is. So let's enjoy the win tonight. Let's enjoy being eight games over 500, which is a high mark for this ball club. Let's enjoy being 42, what is it? No, 50, 50 and eight when the Royals score four runs or more. 50 and eight. When the Royals score four, four runs or more, they're 42 games over 500. They, when they score four runs or more, that is insane. That's why this team has so much potential, guys. If they get in the playoffs, anything's possible. They're proving that right now. You know, three of the last four quote unquote playoff type games they've played and they've won. The one they lost was that Saturday game in Oakland. And even that game, had the defense not let them down, they were right there. So. And they've lost so many playoff-type games, 2-1 to one as well, but that was before Billy Butler was hitting, that's before Moose was hitting, that's before Aoki was hitting. So you never know, they still may add a bat as well. So those are the reasons to be so optimistic. Let's just take it game by game, though. This series, this homestand is tough. I mean, it's tough. Just grind through it and find a way to get four wins. Take it game by game. We'll reevaluate at the end of the series where we're sitting. There will not be a dish tomorrow night. I will be missing tomorrow's game. The first game all year I'll miss. May get to rewatch a little bit of it, but most likely not going to see most of tomorrow. That'll be the first game all year I've missed, and that sucks. But I'll be back on Sunday here on Clubhouse Conversation. Breaking it down again for you. Go Royals. Thanks for listening. This is fun.